Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on EMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 11, Episode 13, titled Warlords. Aaron, what did you think of this episode? You know, I actually kind of liked it. Um, I, I kept on thinking, I mean, that's the thing. I keep on thinking, boy, I really wish they'd really slow burned the deviousness and the maniacalness the evilness of the commonwealth Mm, yeah because like stuff like this i'm just watching gabriel and aaron understand something that i knew from the jump because the show's been pretty blatant that there's something be you know there's something Mm -hmm. to i i think i would have been a gut punch you know if this show had played the commonwealth straight as if they are you know maybe cautious and and maybe it's hard to get into because they're you know uh they're in this place of privilege and uh they 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 don't want to share it with everybody but like once you're in the inside and then see that there's multiple levels of like fuckery going on um or if this is a contrast to something but like i don't know i if if i pretend like that was the case um and i put myself in aaron and gabriel's shoes especially gabriel who you know, starting to really heal and kind of come closer to the light and all that. And, and to see this kind of horrific, uh, um, you know, CIA dirty deeds kind of done in the name of, of safety and security. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, I think it works, but I, I think it would work better if, yeah. if the Commonwealth had been a little bit more ambiguous and uh, it just seems like it's, they're hell bent on and, and proving Maggie, right you know yeah yeah and i i think i like that i think i enjoy what they're rounding into here even if maybe the the road is a little rocky to get there um Mm -hmm. i i I, will talk about it as we go through the episode but i kind of think they're rounding into like a a message that says like hey you can be good and you can use violence in the proper uh, context and it actually is for good or you can put a face on it and say this is for good, but it's actually not right. Like there are ways like where intolerance becomes useful. Um, Sure. And but man, those lines are so fuzzy. And I I think Mm -hmm. I think the show is rounding into something that I'm actually sort of impressed with here in the end, Mm -hmm. even though, yeah, it's, it's weird kind of getting there. And I'm kind of actually angry at this episode because the way (laughs) they tell it, it it constantly just confounded my desire to make fun of it because I would see something on the screen and go, Oh, well they, I think they fucked this up. Like this doesn't make much sense. And then they would come back and say, Oh, 12 hours before or, a day before and i was like oh actually they they've answered by the end of this episode every single what the fuck question i had yeah a fairly compelling like fairly reasonable answers too it's not a walking dead answer where it's like well this stupid thing happened that made it all make sense it was like oh no okay some of it makes sense the the closest they get i think is negan just happening to fall in with this group uh the same group that you know ends up with the Commonwealth uh, knocking at their door and all that stuff and Aaron there, it feels a little too just so 
But that's like mm. the only real complaint I can levy at it. And that's not even like a super big one. That's a pretty good point that like when they started doing this seven days later, seven days and 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh my God, the walking <laughs> right. dead is doing this shit. And I didn't complain on it right off the bat. Cause it wasn't really a problem. Uh-huh. Um, it was an interesting way to tell the story, uh, which me, that yeah. has not. Yeah. So like, I, I think that, normally that would be something we harp on because like oh my god the walking dead takes this confusing shitty story makes it even more confusing Mm -hmm. and shitty by doing all these time jumps and all that but it didn't and i was ready to lodge that criticism oh i was looking for it yeah i was too but like yeah midway through the episode i'm like they're kind of nailing this so whatever yeah Yeah, i think there's also something else it does which is maybe cast a little more drama on the flash forward the six month flash forward that we saw with Daryl showing up at the gates of Hilltop um, mm. dressed in full trooper uniform right like we know what happens to communities that cross Lance especially now now that he's getting a little more desperate and uh, seemingly out of his mind uh, with with ambition so you know you fast forward a few more months and I'm thinking uh, Daryl showing up there might be a real bad sign but mm-hmm. I don't know I think it adds a little more drama to that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and like I said, if if the only thing I, I that that's I think it's a good episode of The Walking Dead. If your only criticism is, boy, if they'd done things differently the last few weeks and the last episode, that would have been even better. Oh, but like, you yeah. know, that's that's not bad. That's that's not that's not a bad place to be. Of like, well, this is a good episode. It could have even been better if you'd done other things different, but. Right, but it could it could always be better, and you're not going to please everyone. But it pleased me this time mostly. So yeah, yeah, and it's nice. Also, like I really like seeing Michael Bain. You know, oh yeah, he's a venerable old like. Is there such a thing as an action character actor? I think so. I think he's it because like he's the Paul Giamatti of action films. <laughs> yeah. Like you need a grizzled Navy SEAL commander. You need a futuristic time traveling cyborg fighter. You need uh, you, you, you need the uh, uh, dead shot uh, cowboy duelist in the old west. Like he is that guy, and he's really good at playing these these type of characters. Um, and I, I guess that's there's another of these uh, weird backhanded compliment complaints I got. I almost wish they'd gotten Michael Bain for. The Reaver, the leader of the Reavers. Oh, yeah. The the Terry O'Quinn Locke wannabe guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think he's this he this guy is so charismatic hmm. and like post-apocalyptic strong that I think I would have. I, I think they're the Reavers were cool until you got to meet him. Um, and it's wild that they're going back to like the religious well again. I feel like That's, this guy just did yeah. a much better. Like, like they this that that would have really elevated that material and since this is kind of like a one and done you know maybe that's the thing is michael bain's like you know what i i've, I've got all that yeah. terminator money i got all that <laughs> i don't want to be in this show season i don't want to be in this show of a show no thanks right but i'm in i'm in atlanta mm-hmm. for the weekend and it wouldn't be ba- yeah so but, i don't want to be lance but, uh, who who is it that did fucking millennium uh after x files i don't or came oh, in to yeah. replace uh Mulder. Yeah, I I know you're talking about. I yeah. won't say Lance Reddick, but that's not Hendrickson. That is. is was was it the Android? Yeah, from that's Alien? exactly what it is. Lance Shit, Hendrickson. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to be he Lance was Hendrickson. Bishop. No. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, but I'll do this one-off thing. I don't know. You know, thinking about it, what said that these people were religious to you? Because literally the only the thing giant bloody cross painted on the was that giant cross the, and, he, and Toby fuckface McGee saying, yeah, they're religious. Because otherwise, he I, also he also quoted a lot of like you guys are sheep uh, and, or wolf and sheep. Yeah, but that's just a colloquialism at this point. Is that necessarily sorta, religious? I'd, and that they, he's like, they, I, I felt like there's a little bit of angry Southern preacher to his. Don't you understand? I'm responsible for everyone in this building. Souls. I, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I, well, I feel like about souls. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but but you're right. It wasn't. Um, and then I don't know. Maybe I think like maybe he would have seemed more religious, except for like Gabriel is so religious in this episode. Like he's like sure. quoting uh, chapter and verse, and and uh-huh. I actually quite liked his sermon. But like, yeah, when when you go up to him, he's just like kind of generically quote misapplying you know Christ quotes and stuff. It didn't come across as super religious. But you're right. Yeah. Negan is a part of this group, and he's certainly not really like that. It, it mm-hmm. did it did feel. But you know what? The Reavers that felt tacked on to them too. A little less. Like so. They're just a. I, I, I do feel yeah. like the walk, the walking through the fire kind of motif, and him. Oh yeah, you know, quoting scripture, and we spent more time with him is the key. Like we it's got true. a lot more scenes where he could spout scripture and really feel like, yeah, he he was following God or whatever, or trying to in his own way. What, what I mean, what I mean by that, I guess, is that the Reavers felt like they're the Reapers. They're the Reapers, yeah. right? Yeah, they felt like. Um, the big guy and the priest were very religious, but like none of the others, they're like following them, but they didn't feel gotcha. like real, really religious folks in the and same way that like family and re- religion metaphors too. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I felt like the same way here is like everyone in this building just seemed like generic post-apocalyptic extras. They didn't seem particularly devout or mm-hmm. whatever. It's just that uh, they happen to, they keep painting it with this religion. And then I guess it's like the Reapers, the religion, but, but that's the thing. It's like, it's all key to like Gabriel's development. Right. You know, like uh, it's all like the Reapers are all about him, you know, coming to grips with this man of God and, and this, this false kind of prophet. And now, uh, he's because of he's this man of God. They bring him on this mission to kind of bring common cause, and it's a damn. It, and I like all that. It's just a damn shame because it just felt like these were the Reaper light. Yeah, yeah, I'm with kind of like if three episodes after we got rid of the Terminus folk, we met another cannibal gang that happened to hang out around trees, you know, or trains, you know, <laughs> like, right, right. It feels yeah. a little samey for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. We're coming to the to the end of this. We have three three more episodes in this portion of the season and then another six or no, another eight to end it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there aren't going to be too many more outside threats. I would think it's true. Well, they got this where there's program, only about, so. about 10 hours left of this whole thing. Yeah. Whatever in communities we meet don't seem like they will be actual threats. Although Maggie says something ominous in this episode when she talks about, she's talking to Lydia and saying like, look, these people haven't met a threat in 10 years. They haven't been tested in 10 years. What happens when they are? I I feel like they're setting up some conflict, some bigger conflict, right? And I know we've heard about 
world beyond or or fear the walking dead where there are outside forces that are maybe even bigger than the commonwealth more of that more of that uh, commentary and your feedback too yeah there okay seems, there yeah. seems to be that the crm or the helicopter folks is mm-hmm. like one of the superpowers that uh you know st- still in commonwealth is another one so it seems like lines like that are setting up a conflict for the the last stretch of this season i wonder because like i do also wonder if that's just going to be um that's going to be set up for the next series because I don't mm-hmm. know that they can get in this big apocalyptic showdown with just eight episodes, you know, 10 episodes to go. Or 11, I also feel I like they need now. to, cause I don't know that the rest of this can last. Eh, I don't know. Unless Alexandria is going to try to take down Commonwealth from the inside and reform it, you know, to be more Alexandrian, I guess you could, there's 10,000 or 50,000 people in Commonwealth 50. because that's the thing. So that's the thing like I've and we've talked about this before. It's like I don't see any way that the Alexandrian people can impose their will yeah. on the Commonwealth. And I mean, you have uh, to have just seems, feral this isn't like just take people out, I guess. 50,000 of them? <laughs> no, like, no, no, the heads. Cut the heads off the dragon here. But even then, like, what does that mean? Like that? Like, I don't think this is the type of thing where you can just decapitate and hold against the people's will. So you have to have some yeah. more of a soft power revolution. There are literally dozens of people out there who are pissed off about the class yeah. uh, divide. So maybe they get yeah. tapped into that. Maybe Rosita can and Eugene can work on that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. I, have, I honestly don't know exactly where they're going with the conclusion of this series. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. It's kind of exciting in some ways, you know. Not knowing, yeah. not having a clear like, oh, this is going to be the bad guy. They're going to fight him. Right. They're going to win. It's going to come right. at some cost. They'll have to rebuild next season and in the face of another threat. Like that's a whole bunch of different been factions since now. season two. Come on. And there's also a bunch of different factions within the Commonwealth that we now know. You've got the, you know, the the mainline, uh, the, the 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 real the the main power. Uh, you've got mm-hmm. uh, Tor- Tor- uh, Thor- Thornsby. What the hell's his name? Hornsby? Hornsby. Lance? Yeah. You got Hornsby, but then in his empire, he's got the CIA agent that he's using, but mm-hmm. it seems like that guy's got, you know, like there's some exploitable weaknesses there. Um, it, it's no longer just the Commonwealth. You can see like fault lines that you could maybe ex- exploit. Sure. Yeah. Um, but then again, there's fault, fault lines in our own group here that, mm-hmm. that can be exploited. Yeah. Maggie certainly on one side of an issue. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, maybe we should quit talking about the thing and do it. Let's get into the recap. Yep. But first, let's take a quick break. We start off with Lydia leaving Hilltop to go to the Commonwealth, and Casey Jones offers to escort her. Uh, an injured man rides up to the gates, talks a bunch of nonsense, and gives Lydia some papers and then dies. Uh, can we talk about Casey Jones for a minute? <laughs> All right, please. What happened to this guy? We met this guy and he was dressed like a reaper. Mm-hmm. He wore a mask, wouldn't take the mask off, wouldn't talk. Yep. And with no character development other than him getting grievously wounded and them mm-hmm. slaughtering all of the reapers save uh, uh, Leah, he is now turned into just a dude at Hilltop. Yeah. Just what was with the mask? What was with the leather trench coat or whatever kind of urban ninja shit he was wearing? Why was he using Reaper weapons? Why are 
is, is that going to be answered at some point? Is that is that are they saving that for Maggie and Negan take Manhattan? I feel like he the same thing has happened to him that happened to Princess. They've just been decolorized. Like, hey, you had this interesting character and you just sucked everything that made them interesting out of them and just yeah. turned them into some schlub, right? Like Yeah, like I like why? I'm like did did the guy who killed his sister, did he kill him and that's what the, the guy was wearing? So he was wearing his kind of in like some kind of weird totem kind of th- I don't know, man. But you're right. It is like him and Princess, like they've been desaturated where it's like, well, they're just people now. Uh-huh. You know, there's nothing, nothing interesting about it other than the other thing is like, uh, I'm like, oh, we got a new potentially shitty bow guy, but mm-hmm. I don't think there's any shitty bow guy, uh, gals or boys left in the apocalypse. Like if you've hung around this line, you're at least competent. Yeah. Un- unless you used to be like awesome sword guy and now you want to become awesome bow guy. Uh, yes. You have you to wanna, go through a phase wanna... of being shitty bow right. guy. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I think you got to be pretty proficient. I don't think we're going to get any, any shitty, shitty bow people from here on out. No. I mean, it doesn't even seem like we're going to get particularly competent ones either because our competent bow girl is done. She's at the yeah. Commonwealth. Probably not firing gonna a lot of arrows. She's going to be slinging ice cream and listening to ham radio. Mm-hmm. Did you think um, I, I did also was surprised at Lydia and Casey Jones kind of being matched off? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a romance that had no running start at all. It's like this episode. Well, I mean, I guess it, it, it makes sense in that they're young, attractive people who are in close proximity to each other. So, of course, there'll be a spark. there. And as best I can tell, there are literally only four people at Hilltop at this point. Maggie, <laughs> Casey Jones, Lydia and this other dude. Yeah, because they don't show anyone else. Casey's like, it's uh, if I want to make it with somebody, it's going to be competent bow guy here or Lydia. Uh Uh, I'm more straight than not, so I guess, uh, yeah, I got to get get why the getting's good. When when competent bow guy tells Casey Jones to shoot your shot, I seriously thought he was going to fire an arrow at Lydia (laughs) and then turn to a nine to nine. Yeah, I I thought it would be. I thought he would shoot a zombie or something. But yeah, I was looking for that that as well. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to call this kid who rides up flop top both because of his hair and how he flops off his horse, but I guess his name's Jesse. I don't know. It is. I will come to appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting. Interesting hook. A, a wounded rider that says you got to go here. He's got a map. It's got a settlement marked and there's devils slaughtering him. In uh, retrospect, this annoyed me. Because when he yeah. rides up, he doesn't mention Gabriel. He doesn't mention he Aaron. He could have said. He was specifically he told, say, Gabriel and Aaron are in trouble and give this to them. And also, he didn't even say, I'm looking for Maggie or Aaron. <laughs> no. Nope. Like, he just, of course, I mean, the guy is dying. He's dying of blood loss. Yeah. Whatever, so, I, I, I'm, I'm going to grade it on a curve. But, yeah. Yeah. Play deliver the fire bootstraps and deliver that message. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Maggie doesn't want to, uh, go to Riverbend, which I guess is the city that is circled on the map here, mm-hmm. um, as, as to where we'll end up later. And, uh, she, cause she doesn't want to help strangers. She argues with a council of children over it. And those kids, including Lydia decide they're going to go it alone. But as they're packing up to leave, Maggie shows up to go with him. And then says goodbye to Herschel, which is like the most, the most literal 
hold down the fort while I'm gone ever delivered to a child, right? Like this is basically a fort at this point. You are now in charge, son. Yeah, because I think he's, he might be him and competent Bogai might be the only people left there. Or does competent Bogai yeah. go with him? No, I think he's I left behind. He's she says it's like just Maggie. It's, a, it's Maggie, Kate. Yeah, it's Maggie, Casey, and uh, Lydia. Mm-hmm. Yes, for a road it. trip. Two people at Hilltop. As best I can tell. Did you have a problem with him having a truck, a functional truck? <sighs> yeah, I mean they've been horse and bugging it for years now. Here's... They've had Daryl with the with his motorcycle that he personally maintains. Yeah. What is the deal with them still having a a, a vehicle that ha- that needs batteries and shit? I think they just don't care at this point. I think it's like, well, maybe the Hilltop gave them, or sorry, the Commonwealth gave Hilltop a little bit of fuel. I think that's the answer, yeah, that there's that they might have like given them a fresh battery and some more fuel. But why maintain trucks that don't have fuel and will never have fuel as far as you're concerned? Alternatively, it could be a diesel. Because the thing about diesel is they run yeah. on damn near anything. Like you can put animal fat, vegetable oil, mm-hmm. shit that's been, you know, like, uh, like, like I, it's, it's, uh, you can go around and get like used grease out of a McDonald's grease trap and burn that. Like it, it, yeah. it will burn about anything. And that's something that would be easily to man, fairly easy to manufacture in the zombie, in the zombie apocalypse. Um, mm-hmm. They had all that corn out there. You can probably make, but you still need like a battery and a couple other things that, that, and that the only answer for that is it has to come from the Commonwealth. It has to, it has to, because there's no way Hilltop has had a battery laying around. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. Not after it's, it's literally burnt and been abandoned for however long it's been abandoned. Yeah. But I'm about as concerned with it as the show is. I don't really care. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've wanted to because like I was just like they've been pretty good about like oh you know we are we're back to horse and buggy because you know mm-hmm. gasoline you can't even if you could find gas in cars now it would just all have turned to jelly weren't and they just not tearing suitable or weren't they tearing their cars apart and like sewing truck beds to horsebacks and shit that's to, what I'm talking about they've converted all their shit yeah into so why wagons. would they still have an okay now I'm a little more bothered by it why would they have a a, a full truck got to be the Commonwealth got to be. All right, Lydia asks Maggie why she doesn't want the Commonwealth's help um, as they're kind of traveling to Riverbend and is dissatisfied with the answer she gets. Maggie tells a story about getting by on the farm and claims that the Commonwealth is untested and then some Commonwealth trooper zombies show up in the road. They kill him and then, oh, lo and behold, here comes Aaron stumbling out of the woods. Yeah, I... um. I thought this was an interesting conversation to have because at first I was like, uh, you know, well, why don't you want the Commonwealth's health? And Maggie's like, because we don't need it. And she gives this kind of like platitude that you would tell a five-year-old. And I'm like, well, I feel like Lydia and Casey Jones needs a little bit more comprehensive an answer to that. And then Maggie mm-hmm. gave it. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. She talks a story about Herschel. Their, you know, her dad, they tried to force her out because of a, a drought and this, uh, you know, mega farm corp came and offered to buy him out and uh, then mm-hmm. the drought really set in and they offered to pay him three times the money they gave him food so their cattle wouldn't starve and for the, them to be okay and water and all this and i kept on thinking man i don't know like herschel i don't i don't know if i agree like I don't know if I agreed with the message because like what if the drought had lasted another two weeks and all your cows died 
Right. And then the megacorp, you know, bends you over the barrel and, and, and gives you half the price of your asking price. It's like one of those things where it's like, well, things worked out because they did. This is like the classical sure. kind of like trap that Americans fall into that. Like, look at what I did as a rugged individualist and it worked. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, this is literally something you had no control over the fucking weather. Yeah. Your, your old man wasn't didn't outsmart. He outlasted him, but it was <laughs> something beyond his control. So, like, what lesson are the kids supposed to learn from from old Maggie, old Maggie Green telling tales here? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um also, I can't help but notice, you know, when the supplies showed up from the Commonwealth, Maggie wasn't letting them sit outside the gates rotting. Maggie was we don't need it, yeah. jumping so on she's top not of even it. Applying, exactly. Yeah, she's not even applying the Herschel lessons that she's supposed to be. Um, and yeah, like I thought Lydia had a great point with there where it's like, uh, you know, we got back on our feet. It's like, yeah, you got by. Mm-hmm. And I've been told all my life that that makes me stronger and wiser. But you know what? It actually hurts. It stunts your growth. It does this and that. And instead of Maggie unilaterally turning down the Commonwealth's help, she, you know, uh, should have consulted. And I feel like that's a weak argument because Maggie, as far as I can tell, is not demanding people stay. Uh-huh. So yeah. she made the decision for her. But and and if that, that the only thing is, if that had screwed everything everything up for all the other communities, ah, but it doesn't seem like it did. So. Yeah, and, and the other so thing right about so them not being tested for ten years—how the hell does Maggie know that? This I don't is fifty thousand people living in the zombie apocalypse. You don't think they've had like to deal with a herd of zombies in ten? You think this is like Alexandria? I, I feel like found? they're talking about their social. She's talking about like their social cohesiveness or their their ability to work on a common goal, right? Because certainly the troopers have been tested. Well, <laughs> I was uh, gonna say, dude, if that if that's the I metric, then like I would like here. <laughs> You were this close to fucking uh, running a coup on Rick Grimes, Maggie. True. Yeah. But she's over that now. She's over it. Yeah. Were you guys tested or did Rick just blow himself up on a bridge? Like, uh, there's a lot. I I felt like Maggie hasn't earned all this. And it's too bad because the other thing is Maggie's been gone this whole time. Yeah. This would have been a hell of a lot stronger had she had not gone off to another episode, speaking of things beyond people's control. But like a lot of this, I was, I don't know. I was like, what do you know, old woman? You know, like these, like if I'm these kids, I'd be like, yeah, what, what the hell? Yeah. I think what they're doing here is outlining maybe again. I don't know. The show's probably done this a few times, but the idea that different people want different things. um, Yeah. And Lydia saying like, hey, you might want to just get by and that might be the height of, mm-hmm. you know, self uh, sustainability and independence for you. And that might fill you with pride and that might sustain you. But me, I want something a little more comfortable and I'm willing to make some trades to get that. And and a lot of people want the exact opposite of like what Lydia says, right? She doesn't, she says she wants things to be the same every day. Some people would fucking die if everything was the same every day. Right. They would, they would claw their eyes out to get out of that situation. So like, right. It's just illustrating like different people want different things and to try to force people into a situation where they're playing by your rules can be cruel. Yeah. That's the one thing I've, I've lamented about the 21st century is I wish there was like half of the world still unoccupied where the people that <laughs> right. want to be rugged individualist and don't want to do collective things and community oriented could just go and fucking do that. 
Yeah. Go out there and forego if the ring gates open and, and you know, dude, we have proto molecule tech that we can mine and get out there yeah, on the frontier. Let them sure. go to Mars or the asteroid belt exactly. and 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 it, but but like it's like we don't. There's no more of those frontiers where you can go and yeah. fuck off and decide to roll your dice with uh, God and nature. Mm-hmm. You know because. You know, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, you just can't do that anymore. There's no place you can go where you can just get rid of civilization and government. Um, yeah, I think that's good because I think it's definitely preferable to what we, you know, like I would want to live in the frontier. Like, yeah, you got unlimited freedom, but you also have no safety net and you have no yeah. uh, infrastructure and you have no healthcare and you've got no. So, like, I definitely am on the yeah, civilization's good actually trade off wagon, but it's too bad oh, that we too. don't have a place that those people could go. If they yeah, wanted to, for sure, and that—that's the thing. Like forcing them to live within a society that makes every day the exact same might be hell for them. And also, it's like, yeah, there's a basic truth of like, it's—it's uh, it's hard to trust people that have you kind of uh, bent over or are taking advantage of the fact that you are weak or that you—you—you you, you need something. Uh, that it's like it's not an un—it's not an uncoerced decision, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but sure. that's like, you know, almost everything in life is some level of co- coercion, you know, if you just, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you, if you want to eat, you got to work. Uh, so yeah, I, it, it, be, I'm, I'm interested to see them explore these themes, um, to, to whatever level they're able to successfully explore them. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Let's flash back to one week ago. Gabriel is leading service at the first Christian church of the Commonwealth. And it seems like it's his very own. Uh, it's about strangers. The, the service is about strangers coming together to be family. And Aaron is moved by it. And afterwards chats with Gabriel about doing some uh, outreach to bring in new communities because the target group is religious. So he thinks uh, that would help to have Gabriel on their side. And Gabriel agrees. I, you know, like I said, I, I actually like a lot of, um, core Christian thought, uh, what, what Gabriel here is preaching makes a lot of sense to me. It is like, you know, something that's that's easy to remark upon. Like, you know, why, why can we pull together during disasters, times of war, things like that. But then the second things get good, we, uh, and like how kind of subvert, like that's, I thought when this scene was developing that there might be. Gabriel getting hot water because what he's preaching is kind of subversive here that, mm-hmm. you know, we see ourselves as hu- humanity and equal no matter what race, creed, religion, when we're forced together, it's like good people uh, come together and they share everything. And, and uh, when we remake the world, we can't go back to where the way things were because that wasn't that that was. Yeah, uh, that, that that's short of the glory of God. And it seems like Commonwealth is all about. No, we actually want to put all these structures back in place. And that could make yep. that could make Gabriel like this radical. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was kind of like, ooh, this is going to be interesting to see like him being persecuted or silenced because of what he's preaching. I don't think they're going in that direction, no. but it would have been an interesting one to, to see. And I, I like also seeing Gabriel like being a good preacher. This is yeah. a good sermon. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I like it. Yeah, the, even the physical, like, hey, get up and sit next to somebody, like, you know, setting, like, doing something weird and setting your audience up to, to for some. I, I, I thought that was good. Um, yeah, I mean, you take the, out a couple of Bible quotes, and I'm right there with him. <laughs> like, 
And uh, his like I, that, that phrase where it's like we have to see the people to our sides the way we see the person in the mirror, and that's like, such a great mm-hmm. way because you know when someone's rude to you in public or whatever, you never think of like that person is like you know that's a person who's had a rough day, and this is probably not at their best, and maybe they weren't. It's like that's some fucking asshole. But like when you are the asshole in a situation, it's like well you don't understand because blah blah. I think mm-hmm. that's that's a great way to yeah like see the person beside you like as as kindly as you see yourself in a mirror. My only question, and where I get nervous, is you know Maggie's talking a mess about the Commonwealth being untested. Gabriel's talking about how the switch is flipped back over to preacher for him. Do they know what happened to his last church? To his last congregation. How much has the switch flipped? Is Gabriel now untested again? Is he the guy who is going to, at first sign of trouble, burn down the church and lock all of his followers in there? I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know that uh, that uh, you'd like to. You'd hope that he doesn't revert back to type. You'd hope, but I don't know. He's talking about switches flipping. Scary. It's also. I thought it was interesting that like. Uh, have they established that Aaron had like UN gov- NGO type of like foreign aid experience before? I don't think so, but I could be wrong. Because I thought that's weird that they had to go back to his life pre Armageddon to justify the fact that like, well, actually, he served for several years as a talent scout and made first contact. Like he's got practical uh-huh. experience. Where well, we know after the apocalypse, know, like, he did right. That's what he was doing with Rick and crew. Right? Yeah, he was out there yeah. for Alexandria trying to bring new people in. I, yeah? feel, I feel like that's more expensive. Like, well, you know, I actually did three years in Peace Corps back in '93. Like, well, yeah, but you've got a lot more recent relevant experience. But right. maybe they're also saying that like uh, Commonwealth doesn't recognize that. Like, Commonwealth will put a person with a college degree from yeah. ten years ago above someone with practical, you know, Bush experience. I. Totally. I thought it was interesting that they 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 invented this background for Aaron and justified it for him being involved when it's like, well, that's kind of what your calling was, you mm-hmm. know. So we go out to the religious compound where Aaron uh, Riverbend is what it's called. Aaron deals with uh, this, this Commonwealth weirdo. His name ends up being Toby. I'm not sure we know that yet, but he, he's a fucking weirdo, man. He's leading him into this unknown situation. He's he's getting real hyped up about it. And then Gabriel and Aaron are thinking weirdos plan a shit. So they improvise their own, even though they think it's just a bad, a plain bad, bad idea to approach this place. And, and maybe you, a bad idea to bring flop top with him. He's a trainee. Do you really bring him on what we find out later is an assassination mission? Just trial by fire. He, what What is this? Yeah, he seems real like the weak link in this, in this year chain or just like uh, the guy you're calling know, you Toby. Wanna... You, you're talking about, uh, Carlson. Uh, yeah. Carlson. Okay. That's his last catch his first, Toby's his first. All right. Gotcha. Toby. Gotcha. Does he that look like sense. a Toby to you? He might look like a Toby, but I don't feel like he Toby's might. end up in the CIA. Toby's. End I, don't, up in, I don't see. Well, in, in you know what? Maybe that's the ultimate cover. <laughs> that's the ultimate cover. You, you're, to, you're, you're a Toby. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, he's a total Toby. But yeah, that's a whole. He he's an odd. He's an interesting character. He's an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I ended up liking also, him, uh, liking his performance by the end of the episode. I wasn't totally sure about it here in this scene, but 
I did too. He's a little bit manic. I don't know how that, I don't know about his relationship with booze. I don't know, but like also he is doing something where he wants everybody to be kind of lulled into the, he, he, I guess he doesn't trust these guys to do any kind of performance. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like, uh, everyone's uh, underestimating. Like Aaron's like, ah, this guy's kind of weird. And he's a little gung ho. And he gets out there and, uh, so we're going to, woo, got to rush, going to some change some lives today. So he's like, ever no one, like I was not taking him serious. Like I right. was shocked at the turn of his character that we're going to get to in a bit. Yeah, me too. Um, that he doesn't have any experience. Like, well, what's the largest group you've ever come? And, and he's obviously lying. Like this guy's done field work. He's mm-hmm. met a lot more than four people and killed them. Um, yeah, but yeah, and also like you just they just they really they did a good job setting Carlson up to be this lightweight idiot. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, Jesse was a part of that too because like oh this is his guy, right? His handpicked guy, and he's a lightweight. And so when he's pissing his pants and groveling in the next scene, you're thinking oh Jesus, Gabriel and Aaron are gonna have to do something. So yeah, that was pretty effective. It, it is funny that Aaron took his mace fist to do diplomacy, right? <laughs> <laughs> why it's i, I guess yeah, he needs a funny. weapon and and if he can have a weapon and a free actual real hand that might be useful but yeah if he can't take it off when you're approaching the building uh, yeah. i don't know man this, this feels like picard going to a first contact with like one of those type three phaser rifles strapped to his back mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah it's a very very in your face weapon totally uh, so they approach the the outside of this building here, and Aaron implores them to come out. They do, and they disarm Aaron's group and invite them inside. And they're taken to see Michael Bain. I actually don't know what the fuck this guy's name is. Did you Did you get it? I didn't catch it either. No. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna call him Michael Bain because that's the actor. They did uh, mention his name. I just like he's Michael Bain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they're taken to see him. He shows them his skull collection. Talks talks a bunch of stuff. Shit goes off the rails. Uh, he very much doesn't trust him. Aaron tries to make him see reason, and I think it almost works. And then Toby decides to just shoot it, start shooting everyone. He turns yeah. into, yeah, I don't John know. fucking Wick. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and I was about yeah. to be like, they better fucking justify the fact that he can just get up uh, from a knee, like like prostrating, prostrating himself in front of. <laughs> This guy, he can just pop up off the ground like a jack in a box and pop, pop, pop. Yeah. You know, that's the thing uh, about this episode. It kept, a- it kept going like, what the fuck? What the fuck? How is this possible? And then they would retroactively address oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense, actually. Right. Um, I thought this, so it's what I thought this funny. Um, they they do a good job of building up to dread, you know, like the the doors open and this this uh, imperious woman comes yes. out. And she's got a big fucking side. She's got piercings all over the place and she's eyeballing them and she's taking all their weapons. You can see everyone's getting nervous. And I'm actually just impressed that they let Aaron get away with the Gandalf excuse like, oh, uh, would you part a one end one handed man with this <laughs> giant wrecking ball? <laughs> and she's like, eh, OK. Uh, like, no, fucking take that shit off, man. I don't care how many straps you got to unstrap. I'm not going to let you walk in with a bowling ball covered in <laughs> fucking framing nails. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I was also like, oh, this is not exactly an old man. You know, that's the, the intelligence was wrong. But it turns out, you oh, know, gotcha. that, 
Yeah. But they, they walk in the, in this apartment complex as dank and it's dark and you just see like these endless hallways full of grim looking people with farming implements ready to kill. It's it's pretty yeah. scary. That's, that's the, bo- the thing. The bookcase of skulls. Yeah. Like when we see Negan later, it, it's funny to me because he's like the dude with the the most normal weapon i don't know the most pedestrian weapon right everybody's yeah, got, got these a giant size they pulled off of fucking tractors that were dismantled and shit and corn threshers and then he's just got a crowbar <laughs> it's kind of funny even though he has apparently been in this group for a little while now at least long enough to get to know another person pretty well I, I just, so you said that you didn't think that michael bay seemed very religious but i did i thought he'd because like you know they're talking about how they have the trappings of civilization he's like oh you got civilization i bet you got whores and junkies too you know like he's talking about the moral rot that they must have or their pure yeah I, he yeah, seems you know i don't know how much bible he's read but he definitely has thoughts about degeneracy let's put it this way oh yeah and he's michael bay's just really good at going zero to screaming on your knees stay in yours like he's really good at being that kind of commanding presence yeah a lot like when um shit what's the what's peacemaker's dad's name when he showed up oh the season. t-1000 robert uh, something or other yeah that dude a lot like when he uh-huh. showed up right he's just the, these people are good actors uh, in a show full of you know good actors, and in that particular dimension, they are very good. They're like yeah. act- hey, there's another great action character actor. Uh huh. Yeah, it's a guy that you kind of love to hate. Um. Yeah, so I like that stuff. Uh, I was Robert little- Patrick. That's that's Robert who you're Patrick. Of, yeah. Who also was in Walking Dead last season. Exactly. Uh. So so there's another guy with a head collection. Did you feel like this was a little bit of a retread of the governor? Or was it different? It's like the, terrar- the terrarium version. Uh huh. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Okay, they're not alive. I didn't think the governor's was a little more fun. Put a nice up. put put a nice succulent display in there too, so to, sure. to go with those dry bones. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I did get that. It's exactly what I thought of. Like, oh, this is just yeah. the the advanced version of the governor's. What about what about swiping photos on an iPhone four? Is this does this is this an anachronism? Does this not work? Was the iPhone four out when the apocalypse hit a, that's a damn good. Would this old motherfucker immediately know how to swipe an iPhone at, at a time when iPhones were pretty damn new when the apocalypse happened, or would he still be rocking a a flip phone at best or even have a cell phone? I feel like when we started bald move, which is right around the walking dead being out. And I know that like it, I, I, we, I definitely had smartphones with swipe screens and whatnot. Um, I, well, I wondered that did, myself. But you were like 30 years old. Like it's true. But this, this guy was, was 30 years old then. 45. No, I don't think so, man. This guy looks maybe, like he's you're right. approaching he's 60. pretty grizzled, pretty beef jerky looking. Michael yeah. Bain. I don't know, but I don't know. This guy would immediately intuitively it, notice, but it's swipe. a flex, right? It's just like, uh, although I wonder like, well, if you're making people watch your introductory video on this warbly old VHS tape with a CRT tube, but you've got iPhones like what you don't got. <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird mix, but it, it's a flex to have like a functional cell phone that you, it's, it's like, sure. It, it says that you have civilization without even have to look at the, you're impressed before you even start swiping through and seeing all the infrastructure and the photos and how secure yeah. everything is. And 
you know tell I, me I thought you, it was tell me you're doing well in the apocalypse without telling me exactly flop out your fully charged iphone onto yeah. the table <laughs> power move uh you know what else is a power move we flash back one week and one hour ago to get a scene of lance telling toby that he's got a project he was working on that went sideways and he can't solve it with overwhelming force he needs a tactical solution here a focus solution so he sends toby turns out to be a former cia assassin in to deal with the issue uh and then we're back in the other flashback it's jumping around a little bit here toby tries to extract info from the community leader um from from michael bain and it doesn't work so he kills him then aaron gets to see the dark side of the commonwealth toby tries to kill aaron but he runs off into the woods and gabriel escapes too somehow it's off screen this uh this flashback to the one week one hour mm-hmm. um i like so this is where i started liking this guy uh he reminds me of a character from a tom clancy you know novel like he's this old grizzled wet works guy yeah. and when hornsby tries to threaten him he's like <laughs> oh are you tired of living lance and he yep. dri- steps right into his personal space and stirs his whiskey with his after he made a big deal about oh i've been sober for four years blah blah, blah stir- stirs his uh, lance's uh whiskey with his f- pinky and then like sucks it off and i'm like that's fucking pretty that's some pretty cold smack you're talking yeah. i thought it was weird that, that it comes up again in the episode um because then it means seems more of a kinky alcohol fetish than it does say I'm intimidating this man. Well, I think they're um, doing a story of like <sighs> kind of like falling off the wagon with being an assassin, right? Yes, like yeah. he's getting a taste of his old life because man, that rush he d- he has when he gets close to it, uh, y- you feel like he's experiencing something he relishes that he hasn't experienced in a long time. Yeah, they're definitely leaning into the addiction you know, adrenaline junkies yeah. plus alcohol. They're definitely leaning into that. And I, th- I think that, that, that might work uh-huh. uh, because it's also the, the rationalizations of, you know, like this guy's a mild mannered guy who's in, he's doing meditation. But as soon as you say like, Oh, this is for the greater good. This is to avenge these young soldiers that died for no reason. Yeah. This is like you, you, you activate his Patriot center and suddenly it's like, Oh, well I can do whatever the fuck I need to do to keep people safe. And it's cool. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, which is scary. It's scary. It is. And I like that turn for Lance too. Like when, when force doesn't work here, when commanding somebody to do something doesn't work, try guilt, try sympathy, try, right. you know, he has many ways of, of controlling people and it's not just his authority. Uh, so yeah. I, I like that. It makes him seem smart. I, I was really disappointed because at the very end of this, like after Gabriel escapes, um, Toby says, get my armor. And I'm thinking, oh man, what color is his armor going to be? It's going to be so fucking Black. cool. He's one of these mini bosses that needs yeah. some special armor. And he shows yeah. up two scenes later in a fucking standard issue uniform. Standard issue armor. What the hell? Toby. Yeah, I was hoping for something like dark gray or, you know, to befit his shadowy something. super agent method. I also think that they they went a little bit zero the crazy with this guy fat, a t- little too fast. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, like they had him blow away Michael Bain shockingly early. Um, and where it's like, well, that doesn't seem to make sense. You just shot the leader like he's the one that probably knows the most. Shoots him um, in the leg. Yeah, I, th- I think 
it, no, he shoots him in the chest. Like he, he goes two rounds of interrogation, and the guy's like, "I don't know about your convoy." Oh, like, what about? Yeah. Oh, you mean that convoy? He's like, "Well, if you thought if you thought I had all these guns, what?" May, and he just shoots him in the chest. Like gotcha. boring conversation Bad. anyway. I'm like ah, yeah. okay. No, no, he doesn't seem to care to get too much information. He's more like just kind of eager to kill these people. Yeah, I feel like he, he went a little too gun nut. Mm-hmm. Um, a little too quick, but I don't know, that's a pretty minor criticism. And, and this line from Lance too, also when he is talked convincing Toby to go do this, and Toby asked the very reasonable question, like, "What the hell happens when they realize what's actually going on here?" It's talking about Aaron and Gabriel. He's Lance says they'll fall in line. Everyone does. I, I feel like here's where I start to get tinges of like, oh, maybe they're telling an interesting story about the use of force or violence in pursuit of, you know, greater good kind of stuff because they haven't met anyone like Alexandria, right? Alexandria is a badass civilization that will kill you, but not unprovoked and not, and not for dubious reasons. The reasons they do it are always because you're coming at them and you need to be killed. I feel but like they will get absolutely savage while oh, they're doing yeah. it. Like how many times yeah. Rick Grimes will bite out a dude's throat. Eugene will <laughs> right. bite a dude's dick. Uh, Gabriel will, <laughs> will, will shotgun T uh, 1000. Like he, they just don't yeah. give a fuck once that flip has been, uh, uh, once that switch has been flipped. Right. Which I guess is kind of like how the CIA guy is too. It's just, he's instead of for doing it for their family and the people that like, you know, uh, the next to them, he's doing it for nebulous reasons. Like for Lance's ambition. I mean, well, ultimately comes down to right. Like it is, but that's why Lance has to have like, but Oh, think of the kids, you know, think of the, yeah. Think of the common, the think of the Commonwealth and its sanctuary. And like the fact that like, and I think that does, that's the thing that uh, hit home about the, the CIA guys. Like the only reason he's able to be this Zen is because the Commonwealth has given him stability and peace. So he's mm-hmm. not in the constant kill cycle. And if that safety and security is threatened, then he'll be right back in there every day. So sure. And I like, I don't even necessarily mind like that. That would be closer to what Alexandria is doing. But ultimately, like where we get back to the root cause of this violence is Lance's ambition. And that's what makes it dirty. That's what mm-hmm. makes it mm-hmm. disgusting to me. Yeah. Um. But, you know. That's that's part of the story they're telling, uh, and I think I like it. So then we go back to the present. Maggie is brought up to speed on why Aaron's out here, and she shows him the map, but Aaron has no clue what that's about. He didn't send it to them, which is another what the fuck that they set up, and they're they're about to knock right. it back down. So yeah, uh, I probably just move on to that scene. Twelve hours ago, during the attack, it says. Negan's back. He's apparently uh, part of Riverbend, and he and his new ranger friend find Floptop, Jesse, and give him the map to take back to Maggie at Hilltop with a message that Gabriel and Aaron are in trouble. And then they go inside, they free Gabriel, and they flee. So a couple of what the fucks are answered here, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Three of them. What the fuck happened to Negan? He's still out there, and he's met up with Riverbend some time ago. Uh, what is it? How much time has elapsed? Because I feel like Gabriel preaching, know. he's been there for months. Probably. But I, like, like I, I wish I knew exactly how much time has elapsed from between this last episode since Maggie rejected him. Because they talk about the fact that, like, there's even more Commonwealth people and materials flowing into Alexandria. Um, I don't mm-hmm. have. I felt like I had a really good handle through last season of how much time has been elapsing. But I have no fucking clue. It, it's been months. 
I don't think years, but definitely it's been, it's not sure. been just days. It's been months. Well, we know it can have been more out. than six months, right? Because that flash forward we saw was six months later with Daryl coming up to the right. gates of Hilltop in uniform. Right. It wasn't the first time he came Yeah. Out, and are so. they going to get that? Are they going to get back to that at the end of this season? It feels like they are at the end of this mini season. Or I think are they going to so. get it to the end of the final season? Because, because yeah, like, so now it feels like it's three months is about right. Uh-huh. You're, you're, you're you're showing how these trends have have continued to develop. Yeah, I think their timeline's pretty solid. Um, the one thing I'm not sure is their timeline on the day night cycle is 12 hours ago. So maybe it hit right at the right time. Maybe mm. it was like okay, the sun rose at 6:30 a.m. This is 7 a.m. when they're taking off, and then it's 7 p.m. and it's a long day in the summer, and so you know you still got daylight. It, I'm going to be generous in here and say it seems it's like a not real a problem, clo- like, but it's close. And it's also like what unusually close to the Commonwealth, right? Because well, they this said is it was a pretty on the big west building with, with of like, Virginia. So it's like a state, a full state away, roughly. Is that so right? How, yeah. How can how far is it to ride from Toledo to the wet? Uh, pro- I mean, I don't uh, know. Maybe you can do that in a 12 hour period easily because you go from getting the order to mustering a group of soldiers and getting a-, a-, a Gabriel and Aaron on board. And, and if you have vehicles like ca- gas powered vehicles, yeah, you could travel pretty fast. Yeah. Did they, or were they riding, were they, were they using like their gas trucks? Or oh, something, or were they I just... don't know. The, why wouldn't the Commonwealth use gas? Just for efficiency. Cause I, I, I thought yeah. that the uh, Milton rode in a like big wagon. Like, yeah. I think you're right. Drawn by. Yeah. Hmm. But okay, I don't know. Well, I'm sure they, they they'd certainly have wet. They certainly have vehicles when they need to move fast. And maybe that's this case. Yeah. Anyway, um, they brought also speaking of timeline stuff, they brought Negan back way sooner than I expected them to. Same. He's been gone for what? Two episodes. They got to spin that fucker off in less than 10 episodes. They can't they can't afford to have him out in the, the wind for long. Apparently. <laughs> Yeah, does it seem weird that like I guess it's been three months, but it's like it seems weird to, that that Negan fell in with a group of strangers, especially this kind of insular, uh, potentially whack job. Of course, maybe they're not. Maybe this is all you know, been a bullshit lie. Maybe uh, I don't know. Say everything that Lance said about skulls. that's true. That's not not crazy behavior. Yeah, like grading <laughs> on a post-apocalypse curve. I don't know. They seem like they all deserved it. If if you take them at their word about what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, the the other two what the fucks that answers like how the fuck did Gabriel get free? Um. They answer yeah. that and. Uh, you know what the fuck? I, I guess like the only thing that's weird is maybe Aaron is very much not concerned. It seems that maybe he was followed by his troopers with automatic weapons into these woods or maybe he can tell that he wasn't followed i don't know because he doesn't seem yeah. too urgent to like get get out of here get we gotta go right now but eh, it's fine all right and then we flash forward to now where toby announces to the people in the building that one of them is stolen from them and he wants the weapons back and he starts dropping people to their deaths to get the info negan's ranger friend tells the people in the building that they need to stick together and Maggie's group takes out a trooper. End of episode. Yeah, Carlson's doing that sucking whiskey off his th- fingers. Like uh, this now seems like he's got like a uh, alcoholism yeah. kink. 
Like, oh, I'm not drinking. I'm just, oh, I'm getting to, like, but he's clearly gotten high off this other supply. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought that was pretty effective. Like that, man, like that's, uh, had like foundation season one flashbacks. This felt like, uh, the, the castigation of the, the, the people from the two worlds that, uh, blew up the spaceport or whatever. Totally. Uh, you know, like these, this, this guy in charge one by one, pushing them off and, and throwing them off the top of this building. And the thing that was uh, most going, chilling to me was the fact that he was killing them if they didn't have any information within a couple of seconds, because there are a lot of people who probably don't have that information in this group and they can't give up that information that they don't have. So, you know. Just go room to room killing I, everyone, I guess. It seems like he wants to just lick like the first first priority is to try to get this shit back. Because that's the other thing we didn't talk about. This isn't this is a this is some kind of con so the way the Hornsby described this is hey, I've got this convoy do it, and I also got that other thing. Right. He's talking like Tony Soprano, that he's got some other thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just the gun. Um, but I, I feel like the the objective is to find that and, and recover this stuff. But the secondary objective, if that doesn't happen, is just kill everyone here. Yeah. So that no one, there's no survivors, there's no one left. But I don't know what you do with Aaron and Gabriel, because I guess he's thinking that they'll fall in line. I don't know. Um but the other horrific thing I thought is like when you went back into the Negan's perspective on inside the building, hearing like every five to 10 seconds, someone scream and <laughs> uh-huh. then hit the ground. Like, yikes, that's got, and these are all your friends, you know, the people that you've been living with for God knows how long. And it's just happening so fast. And I, I like yeah. the, the Ranger ladies, uh, pep talk about how, you know, We've been here, and just because they killed Michael Bain doesn't mean shit. And we know this place better than they do. And and I, I liked also Negan's got like not buying it because you know, mm-hmm. but he also really admires her. You can tell, yeah, saying shit that needs to be said for the morale of the group. I think he's done that a time or two himself. So yeah, 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 makes sense. And then we, we end yeah with Maggie and her crew kind of sweeping through the complex, killing people, taking him. And uh, this is clearly going to be a two-parter. We're going to resolve this whole warlord situation next week. Mm-hmm. Jim, we got a decent amount of feedback. I think now that we got the email addresses fixed and we're kind of like uh, everybody's locked in on the schedule, there's lots of the people have lots to say. Uh, I still nice. don't think we're going to split this off into a, a bonus episode, but uh, we'll, we'll see how the last couple weeks go. Watching dead at baldmove.com is the email address you want to send to us if you want to get in on the fun. Let's get started. Uh, but before we get to that, let's take a quick break. Okay, we're back. Once again, watching dead at baldmove.com is where you send in feedback. First up, E says, on the surface, Maggie's decision seems born from stubbornness. She's, she's talking about the decision she made last week to, uh, uh, to, to not accept the Commonwealth's bargain. Uh, that's partly the case, but it seems she's also afraid of assimilating into the Commonwealth like Pharaoh. Now! Uh, slash domesticated, Daryl? I'm curious if that fear is symbolic or born from the thought of leaving behind everyone who's been lost thus far. Hmm. That if they don't build their own community, all of it was for nothing. What is it for nothing? Yeah. Uh, it, people do get that kind of myopic about stuff like this, their legacy. Sure. And and when the legacy is, is brothers or sisters and husbands and fathers who have died before you and friends like that can really, that's a sunk cost. Maybe she's got more in common get. with the Reapers than she thought. 
Could be. Could say it a little bit of that uh, going on. He says Mercer is a boss. I think he seems like a genuinely good guy just trying to make the best out of a shit situation and keep as many people alive as possible. His back must hurt from carrying a Commonwealth military, though. Speaking of, their military seems decently equipped for such a large civilization. Surely they've got some Humvees or something hiding out somewhere, right? Uh, I Maybe? maybe I, I'd be surprised. I, I think we've seen them in like some kind of like troop transport. Got to. I mean, a I military so. with hundreds of troops? Because like Lance mentions, look, if I ask for 100 troops, it's going to get noticed. Not like if I ask for the entire military, it's going to get noticed. So they have hundreds maybe thousands of troops here um so yeah, you wouldn't surprise me around. in this kind of society if one out of 50 is persons of soldiers so they have a thousand like which is larger than any other community we've ever seen just of people in arms right. so yeah uh ezekiel made the crack about mercer being a punk cop when they first met mercer told him he went to west point i forgot because i i, I remembered mm. the cop thing but he's mm. actually a military officer that's interesting, he points out, because it's been forever since we've had someone who's told us they had genuine military experience before the outbreak. Last survivors might have been Abraham and Mitch, the tank guy from Too Far Gone, but I'm not sure, though. I, that tracks with what I think, or what I thought. So you've got uh, some professionals yeah. in, in, in the profession of arms. I'm calling it now. Hornsby is stoking the discontent within Commonwealth and is using it to assert Pamela. You heard it from me first, a guy ass out here playing the long game. Hmm. I mean, if he's that ambitious, that's the like he he he's like a little finger type. Like he won't be happy until he's not just the power behind the throne. He wants to be on the throne. Yeah. I could see that. It's definitely up to something, for sure. Uh E says the helicopter people, the Civic Republic military as they're uh called, is one of the two superpowers established in universe who are seemingly being set up for a series in game or some big conflict. The CRM CRM is extremely well off, much like the Commonwealth, but seem to genuinely be military remnants left over from the outbreak, seeing how well equipped they are. They've got helicopters, Humvees, artillery, have hidden supply depots all over the country, operate labs and walker culling facilities, and have chemical weapons. Interestingly, mm. and in direct compare, this is the world beyond stuff, I believe. Interestingly, and in direct comparison with the Commonwealth, they seem to be a community with a military and civilian uh, government. However, their military is directly usurping power from the civilian government and making all the decisions, unlike the Commonwealth. <laughs> okay. This could be an interesting concept to explore more thoroughly than they've done before. How do survivors want the new world to be? An outright police state with some of the fuckery. Uh, at least in your face, or a democratic society, quote-unquote, ruled by the shadows, or from the shadows by men like Hornsby. So this um, is the, like, hypothesis that I talked about last episode, maybe? About, you know, would would the military just take over in this situation? Like, would Mercer just be the de facto ruler of this community? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It seems like the CRM, that did happen. And this is kind of an exception to that. Yeah, military dict- dictatorship, but uh, it's certainly when you got a strong military, something you gotta you gotta worry about. Yeah, um, and and yeah, and I that's the thing. It's like you got two extreme examples. Do you want a fascist military dictatorship or do you want a corrupt, right. uh, in name only democracy? Uh, I mean, there's also the there's also the full on just like unironic messy democracy uh, situation. I'd like to see someone try. I so, so I thought they were going to go with Alexander and Hilltop and the kingdom and all that, but are there even elections? We don't know that. Like, That's we don't really know what the question. form of government is in the Commonwealth, right? It seems kind of monarchy, 
like yeah. King Ezekiel style, but more so because mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Leaboo says, can we just highlight the stupidity of ordering ice cream for someone you are waiting for to arrive? Never have I ever. Yeah, that is a good question. Like you're on a date. Hey, I want to get there early. I'll just order you ice cream. The fuck? Mm hmm. Well, while yes, Leaboo says it's humorous a visual seeing this dummy sit there with melted cones in each hand. <laughs> as long as you don't question the stupidity of how we arrived at the moment, it made me hate the characters they write because so often they make decisions that fly in the face of common sense. Similarly, the show arrives at decisions that may look good out of context. A cool moment we see in a preview or a show advertisement, but when seen in the course of the episode, when we see the steps taken to arrive at said moment, we are thinking, what the fuck? Why is this show so bad? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's the thing that separates really good shows from, that. from either okay or bad shows. It's just like, how smart are these characters? Do I feel like these characters are real people who are ma- acting intelligently, or did they do this all for the shot? Sweating the details, man. Sweating the details. Yeah. Related to this season in a new community, what's the point of an epic apocalypse only to arrive back at a world with lawyers and politicians? This world building sucks. There's nothing I want to see less in a zombie show than courtroom procedurals. Maybe next episode, the community can reestablish the DMV and we can watch Daryl apply for motorcycle plates. I think uh, that's the point. You're supposed I think that to is kind the point. of feel that way, right? Like, do I want this society to go back to exactly what it was before? Because yeah, that society yeah. isn't perfect. No, there was definitely, if you clean slate it, there was definitely where places you could improve upon for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just wish, Ma- I just wish Maggie was more of a reasonable alter- alternative because she sounds, she just seems like mm-hmm. a contrarian asshole. Um, I, I feel I, like I would, Aaron could be that, but he's kind of bought in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's got to, uh, yeah, I, that's the thing. It's like, man, I just wish this thing had not been black and white. Cause they're painting with nice shades of gray, but it's on, they've already, they've already saturated the canvas in black. Yeah. When it comes to the Commonwealth. So what are you going to do? Hannah's up next. It says Daryl asked the kids if they wanted to stay in the Commonwealth, which implies that our heroes have a choice to leave. I'm getting vibes that someone like prison tats may be unhappy with their situation in the Commonwealth. So why not pick up and go back to Alexandria? Was there a finality to them leaving Alexandra? Was it possibly seen as an abandonment? I feel like there are going to be some necessary flashbacks coming up. I think isn't the idea on Alexandria they're fixing it up because it was essentially a death trap at the moment. And once they do that, everybody's going to kind of move back there. Which obviously won't yes, happen. But. but I think I don't think that's what Hornsby has in plan. I think right. Horn, I think this is very much a one way migration and he's counting mm. on people not wanting to go back so that he can replace them. With his handpicked crew to do, I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to put together the opium plant, his allusions to some other thing, him wanting to have a far flung colony outside the watchful eyes of Milton. I don't know what he's up to because if this is just like a big drug, like like Los Polos Polos Hermanos kind of drug thing, I don't know. Could he get you know Alexandria and Hilltop's food production up and like kind of get you know commonwealth drinking from or whatever from the the lance hornsby teat and then threaten to remove that to cut that supply off is that what he's doing you like, have trying to, to scale make up reliant? hilltop so much to make it feed fifty thousand people but, but, but he's got a full-blown operation going out and finding communities like this who knows how long he's been doing it yeah. a and b you know uh who knows how long it will take to do it i don't i don't know that's my guess. 
but yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what his long term plan is too because I can't I can't quite see it. And I I I'm I'm pretty interested in and in seeing how it all fits in. Brandon from Los Angeles says after listening to coverage of episode one, uh, episode uh, 1112, the lucky one, specifically the segment about the announced spinoffs, I want to reach and posit a wild theory. What if the spinoffs are a fake out by AMC's marketing goons to elicit a real shocking moment or two in the last couple of episodes? (laughs) You're setting yourself up for failure here, Brandon. Imagine we're on the penultimate episode. Carol is out on yeah. another wine run. She finds herself inexplicably pinned under the rack of 2009 Pinot in the War. The walkers are coming at her. Only this time, she gets a big old chunk of Carol taken mm. out of one of her calves. Mm-hmm. We'd all drop her sandwiches. Or, in the finale, Maggie steps to Negan. He runs his mouth like you know he will. Only this time, she pulls a revolver and puts a fat slug right between his brows. Oh, shit. There goes your New York City trip. The theory doesn't account for the fact that the easiest, smartest thing to do would be to not to announce the spinoffs until after The Walking Dead finishes airing, or perhaps the smartest thing to do would be to not do them at all. Uh, I'm just, yeah, just uh, trying to. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I was just say, there's yeah, still some email left. Read the read the rest of it. I'm just trying to wrap my head around the fact that AMC would announce these damn things so early on. And I find it so hard to believe that uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Lauren Cohen, and especially McBride and Reedus would want to keep doing this shite. Yeah. Especially now that the fan reaction to these announcements online, at least from what I've seen, has been overwhelmingly negative. Um, all right. AMC has not been above just flat out lying to us in the past. And they do it via sending, you know, a Mazera or a, a Gimple onto one of their after shows to talk a bunch of mess about things that mm-hmm. definitely aren't going to happen and then exactly end up happening. Or, you know, they're not above also just fucking up their marketing and not realizing that, oops, we did a bad thing here. Um, but that's the thing, like AMC might just lie to you. They might just lie to you. I think where they can't really lie is when, you know, a deadline.com or whatever comes and shows you pictures of filming. Um, yeah. You know, when I don't know, I saw that Rick had been spotted on set uh, at some point and people are wondering yeah, yeah, if there's going to be an appearance week. of him to set up the mm-hmm. movies. We might have talked about that. Uh, I don't know about that particular instance, but if they start full blown shooting a show and it's found out like you can't really lie about that. You're not going to spend the money is the most important thing to make that lie that ironclad. So I don't know if we start seeing the like, yeah, these shows are spinning up and they're actually filming, then we'll know. Yeah. And as far as like them not wanting to do stuff, like I don't know because if the money's there, uh, huh. Like, even no, if the I fans hate it, like, why would you care? If you're Jeffrey Dean Morgan, why yeah. would you care? If you're Melissa McBride, why the fuck would you, you know, you've had a career. You've been, you've done Frank Darabont movies. You've done this. You're, you must have a ton of money in the bank. Like, why not add, add a couple more zeros to the account for, like, for easy work? You know, you've been living and working yeah. in this area for a decade now. And, but, and, and whatever I, damage has been done to, your career or reputation by doing this show for 11 seasons is not going to uh, be furthered by doing another run of seasons for another Walking Dead show. 
that's the other one. It's like, you know, Jeffrey D. Morgan sitting there is like, well, I'm going to sign a three to five year contract. Well, what's the odds that I'm going to be stuck doing this three to five? He's looking at the ratings. He's looking at, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. they're getting, maybe they're getting a breath of fresh air, the world beyond the, they're getting like a new audience or oh. I, I don't know. I don't know. Cause I haven't really kept up with that side of it, but uh, and maybe all the people who've left the walking dead followed Morgan over to fear and that show is just doing gangbusters. So they think, oh, every show we oh, yeah. push an audience to will work. Who knows? And the thing is that, but as far as AMC, they've been terrible at this forever. Yep. They've literally spoiled, like, just with their stupid fucking talking sh- dead show. They've mm-hmm. spoiled, like, Chris Hardwick's dumb face has spoiled so many big moments back in the day. I don't, uh-huh. I, and like, they've been doing this for 10 years. I don't, I don't get it. They, they, they cynically use pro, uh, uh, sh- popular shows to shore up unpopular shows, and they use the the twi- uh, twilight moments of one show to spin off another one. I, it's it's tiresome, I think. But um, yeah, I do wonder if it on. works. Like, it, I wonder if Man. it works, and if they hadn't been doing this, AMC wouldn't really be making the television they're making. Um, because AMC didn't That's true. have much after you know Breaking Bad and Mad Men went off the air. They just had The Walking Dead pretty much, and they were pushing and that into every yeah. other show they had. Preacher and uh, whatever other shows they were doing. Did they do Out Outcast? Was it Outcast? Helltown wasn't there a Helltown or something like that? The train thing, and then there was yeah, the, and there was the that reality post-apocalyptic show kung fu show they were doing, and yeah, uh, they did the terror. They they've done some interesting things. They have a lot of shows, and I wonder if their audience just wouldn't exist outside of Walking Dead if they hadn't done that. Well, no, like, we all romanticize about the Walking or the the Breaking Bad era and the Mad Men era, but like those mm-hmm. shows were tiddlywinks compared to Walking Dead at its height. Sure. Like Breaking Bad's max audience was like four or five million. Mad Men was like one point five two million. Yeah, Bur- uh, Walking Dead at its height was like 18 to 20 million people tuning in each week to watch it. So like mm-hmm. I can understand why they leaned into it. I just don't know why after all the f- backlash they've gotten consistently over their handling the marketing, why they haven't gotten better at that. Uh, especially since it seems like if those ratings have fallen off a cliff, you know, it's like when you're getting 18, right. 20 million, then the marketing department cannot give a shit about the creative side. But when that's flipped, I don't, yeah, it's like who's paying the price for that stuff. But I don't know. Netflix, uh, Amazon. I maybe they're doing gangbusters over on Apple, selling seasons of this thing. I don't know. Amber says the leader of Oceanside is Rachel, the who is the little girl who found Tara fist bump on the beach in season seven. The one that Tara would constantly flip off. Just wanted to give the writers a little bit of continuity credit. Hmm. So they okay. So this is a little girl before. I don't know why they didn't have Cindy running it. Maybe they did because like that's the that's the young woman that I was familiar with and I would think would be the leader, not the seven year old girl who's like sixteen now. But yeah, that is indeed what huh. they were going for: some continuity and leadership. Um, I just I was just kind of shocked that they had someone so young running it. Uh, but thanks for pointing that out, Amber. Sadie says, much like Aaron on the pod, I'm questioning why I'm about to defend The Walking Dead, but. I'll use the excuse that this is one of my last chances to send feedback after listening to your podcast for uh, a decade now. While the show has had its ups and downs and downs, the pod has been a constant source of joy for every episode. Anyway, here I go. I bet Mercer had his troops fire right at him and Maggie and company. She's talking about last episode as a 
as a show of how skilled, competent, accurate they are at shooting and how much you can trust them as a result. Wow, that's a this risky act, flex. I gotta that's say. That's what I'm saying. This acts both as a bit of a threat and as a way to entice them to join the Commonwealth to be protected by the skilled force. Still dumb, though. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. That's just such a... That's like having a cop shoot a gun out of somebody's hand on television uh, mm, as a flex. Yeah. Like, no real world professional would do that. But on the other hand, it's a Hollywood thing. So maybe mm-hmm. I will say to this, I don't think they played Maggie and Daryl's reaction as impressed. I thought they played it as like, this is a fucking insane situation, which is what I would have been thinking. <laughs> right. Maybe, um, maybe scared for various reasons. Yeah, but maybe they got bad direction. Who knows? Also, I wasn't looking at the screen during most of the Oceanside stuff, so I completely missed the feet in the ocean scene, and the pod was the first I heard of it. I didn't go back to watch it because the scene I have now imagined in my mind, thanks to your hilarious description, is surely so much better. (laughs) If you want to see an old woman's well-pedicured feet uh, dipping her toes, toesies in the water, then uh, check it out. Sure. Yusuf is up next and says, I usually agree with your takes on most things of Walking Dead with all due respect. I recently feel like there's a factor you may be overlooking or perhaps not appreciating the way that I do. And that thing is how monumental these uh, weeks and months are in our collective entertainment experience. We're Walking Dead and Bald Move fans alike. We're watching 11th season of a show that we've been following from the very beginning that you covered in its entirety. A show that premiered at the height of the new golden age of television. This show ran concurrent to the first few seasons of Game of Thrones. Concurrent? I mean, it goes back to Breaking Bad. This this goes this is this not the second podcast we ever did? And it was gonna be the first television uh, podcast. We yes. just couldn't get our shit together uh, until right. Breaking Bad. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when we were all bedazzled by the quality of all these new productions. Yes, The Walking Dead has definitely ran itself into the ground, but still holds a very special place in my heart, at least by virtue of the member berries. Uh, I stopped watching regularly right about the time you did, but it was always a great comfort knowing The Walking Dead was still airing. It made me feel like our time was not over yet, since there's virtually no new TV dramas that I'm following anymore. I believe that the golden age of television is over. For me, it coincidentally ended with the last season of Game of Thrones. Well, I mean, you had good company there. A couple hundred million. Uh, This uniquely long journey with its ups and downs is drawing to a close. This is something that I know I'll never go through with any TV show again, at least longevity wise. And I can bet you a good money that Bald Move won't either. I'm saying all this because I just don't sense dismay in your tone with the season. I also sense that you can't wait for it to be done and that you want to put it behind you as soon as possible. So basically just want to say try enjoying this unique moment. Jim, should we be... Sniffing the roses a little bit more with this Looking last at the flowers? tour of Walking Dead. I don't want to <laughs> look at the flowers. No. Uh, it, it, here's the thing. You are 100% right. This is a monumental moment uh, for prestige television. I don't think any prestige show has gotten to 11 seasons. Uh, <laughs> you can argue about whether this show is prestige or not. Um, I also... I don't know how it comes across uh, on the podcast when I'm talking about this show. I thoroughly enjoy covering this show at this point because same. I, when we when we stopped covering this in season eight, I felt like I was doing everyone a disservice because I did not want to watch the show because it fucking sucked. It was terrible. And so we could quit podcasting. Now that we've come back, I'm like, well, we're in it till the end, no matter what. There, there is no escaping this. I, so I'm more resigned to my fate. 
and I'm going in every week going, well, this is going to be a breezy thing to talk about because The Walking Dead isn't doing anything particularly complex. And I know we're going to have some fun, jokey things to talk about. So I kind of this might be the most enjoyable podcast I do in a given week. Uh, And if it comes across as like, oh, I hate my time with The Walking Dead. I don't know what to say to that. I apologize that it comes across that way, but I think we I really enjoy these too. podcast sessions. I do. And I, I will say that I think that we'll all like when we get to the very last, that's the other thing is because we know there's still another eight fucking things that we're going to come back later in the fall. When we get to that, I think it'll be a little bit more nostalgic. And I think the show itself will, I think those last like oh, three yeah. or four episodes are going to be schmaltzy. <laughs> <laughs> maudlin looks back and calls back to history at least that's what i'm hoping for um but but yeah no i we actually talk about this offline all the time like my god this covering the walking dead is the longest job i've ever had <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah stop. easily yeah you know and the, and the fact that like if had it not been for a worldwide pandemic we would have never come back to it and had this opportunity probably not and like yeah. how that's kind of a bittersweet pill to swallow too uh and also i do wish that they had maintained the quality of season 9 and like the or the the early goings the first three quarters of season 10 i do feel like mm-hmm. for whatever reason the kang era has gotten a little bit loosey goosey sloppy joe um, maybe because she's frustrated with AMC's decisions, hamstringing the story she can tell right now. Cause I think if you just, just, just gave Angela the keys to the kingdom and left her own devices, she could tell a very satisfying conclusion to this because she did for like two and a half years. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. If you, if you take the, some of the most important chess pieces off the board and be like, well, you can't kill these. You can't sacrifice them. You can't promote them. The queen, you can't do you just have to stay in kind of relative stasis so that we can, that's gotta be really frustrating as a creative. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. Um, Ed says, just listening to your coverage of the episode 1111, please. Can we get a t-shirt with Eugene's face and a text? If you beat an idiot at chess, congratulations. (laughs) Uh, that would be a banger t-shirt. I'll add it to our merch idea. Do people <laughs> wear you, shirts you. with curses on them? I have one. I would have and to boulderize them. Public. I same dude. I've got a fuck around and find out T-shirt that I just won't wear unless I have like a I, unless I have a zip pull you know like a pullover zip. Uh, I have an Event Horizon shirt that says this ship is fucked, and yeah. I love it to death. Uh-huh. But I can only wear it on stream. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. I, I, I that's the thing. We'd have to boulderize it. I think we'd have to put like uh, ampersands and hashtags and shit. Right. So kids don't know, right? Because kids yeah. don't know how to decipher that code. Oh, my God. I just don't want people starting shit with me, man. I don't want to be the guy yeah. wearing a fuck word and like having some dad be like, there's kids around. Oh, my God. I got to deal with you. Uh, right. Can your kids read? If they can read, then fuck. Fuck. They should be reading books with fuck the word fuck in it. So Sure. Adam, our homeboy in Cincinnati, says... Your talk about knowing that Maggie and Negan are safe now got me wondering, is that a rule that only gets applied to shows like Walking Dead? An example, shows like Picard or Expanse or whatever else routinely put characters in danger that we know are not actually going to die. Uh, And I still find it compelling. I'm wondering why it feels different on Walking Dead knowing they're going to survive. Is it that shows shoot themselves in the foot, establishing anyone can die stakes and then going back on that? I'm curious what you all think. That might be part of it. Yeah, if a, if a show like Walking Dead says, hey, we can kill anyone, we can kill 
your favorite characters even. Um, and then they eliminate that possibility. Yeah, it might feel a little worse, but you're right. Um, there are shows, especially The Expanse, because there are more books uh, beyond, you know, what the show has given us. Or especially if you're in like season four and, you know, there's books five, six, seven, eight out already. You're probably not going to be super worried about Holden dying or something. So I get it. Uh, shows like Picard, though, I think are kind of open. You know, I mean, you Picard could die this season and that could be the last season of Picard. Who knows? Or Picard could go on to be something else, right? I think we might have talked about that in season one. Like, what if Picard is not the the show Picard is not Picard the entire time? I think there are more possibilities. But now, yeah, you set the, set it in stone. These four characters can't die. And I think it's also a magnitude thing where, fuck, if none of the characters can die, suddenly it becomes a more of a problem. I think it's different because you're talking like uh, Walter White's not going to die in season two of the wa- or, uh, of Breaking Bad, but in season five, five mm-hmm. B, you know, yeah, we're talking about the last season of The Walking Dead, and you've got ninety percent of the people, and this is a, this is The Walking Dead where people die. That's the whole fucking point of it. Yeah, um, that that you're taking these people off. Like I, I don't know. I, I I do think that's different. Like. Yeah, an expanse. You're not really afraid that Holden's going to die, but if it was the last episode, or and I'm not even sure if that's true. Like I was not, uh, you know, in season six, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that not that none of the main cast would make it out unscathed because I, you know, I so like I think there's a big difference between mid season shows where you've got main character arcs that are not fulfilled versus things like Walking Dead in its final season because we've always had sucker bait. You know, where it's like, oh, well, you're going to put, you know, will Batman escape from the Riddler? Tune in next. Well, of course he's going to. Um, (sighs) And you can do well done sucker bait. You can do shitty sucker bait because sometimes it's like, well, it's like I'm not afraid that Walter White's going to die. But the shit he's doing right now, maybe that blows back on Skyler. Maybe that blows back on Walt Jr. Maybe that blow. Maybe Jesse gets killed uh, or, you know, skinny Pete. I can't. So sometimes there's collateral damage, but I do think there's a difference between the final season, the walking dead and all most of the people that you care about just being off limits for permanent consequences. I think that is worth. I think that is shitty. And a lot of shows that's not necessarily I'm concerned. Oh, these characters are going to die. It's more like how, what's going to happen to these characters, you know, okay, they're not going to die, but are they going to be scarred by the horrible things that happened to them? Or will there be consequences that ripple through their lives? Uh, Cause I care about, good characters right um you know the walking dead may be different in that in that i don't care about most of the characters either um because a lot of them are sketches or or flip floppers or whatever yeah um, oh competent bow guy is gonna die right. next episode casey jones the guy who just recently had a face and a voice he might die oh shit you know prison tat the person i've hated for th- like two and a half seasons <laughs> she might die oh my god miko uh, we haven't seen in this chunk of episodes i think yeah when like rosita and gabriel are the biggest characters you can threaten and they were at best b-tier characters in any season before this one it's a problem i think i think care about daryl i care about carol i care about aaron maggie to some degree i don't know uh let's talk okay double t we're gonna we're gonna bring it we're gonna bring it down to fish 
Let's talk about fish. He says the latest of your mini queries about Oceanside being able to solve the food shortage problem got me curious. So rather than doing my work, I use this as an excuse to waste 15 minutes doing research on seafood use prior to refrigeration. The conclusion is this would be very problematic for our survivors. Fish is one of the most perishable food sources. Not only that, it's one of the most dangerous to eat once even the slightest bit of contamination or rotting sets in. A Google search tells me that it's been mentioned more than once that Oceanside is around two days ride from Alexandria. Without refrigeration or large amounts of ice, transporting fresh seafood is out. You'd arrive back home with a carriage full of stinking salmonella, and in any case, where would you safely store it once there? That leaves drying and salting of the fish, which people have been doing for centuries. Wait. But this also comes with problems. That modern equipment, the old methods were primarily sun and wind drying. Something the Oceanside has no shortage of. Hazards include flies and other insects getting into the fish and laying their eggs while it's left out. More protein, and baby. Even this- yeah, and even despite that, the process still brings it with significant risk of food poisoning, especially for modern people who don't have the resistance and tough constitution of ancient and tribal peoples who are used to eating this stuff. Basically, the tech that the survivors have, seafood is far more difficult and hazardous than red meat to preserve, transport, and eat. Not to mention how labor-intensive all this would be for the Oceanside peeps who first need to feed themselves, gather other ferried food sources for their health, fend off walkers, etc. And I... The, the problem is you're not talking about feeding four colonies worth of people. You're talking about the remnants that's left behind of Alexandria and Hilltop that are actively starving. And in that situation, the answer seems to be just go and move. There you go. I was going to say that's the overlooked thing here. We're not talking about transporting food. We're talking about the people pulling a Margaritaville, setting up shop on the beach and just living there. And when they're yeah. hungry, go fish. Yeah. And, and chat down raw sushi if you want. It doesn't have to be yeah. stored. I, I don't know. That's that was my envisioning of this situation is that everybody from these communities would go to Hillside and live there. Or sorry, not Hillside, Oceanside and, and live there. And also when you're saying like dry it out with wind and sun. Yes. Like people have been doing for thousands of years. And it's like, yes, there is a hazard that flies will infect. But like it's you're not going to be like, oh, my God, all of the fish died because of flies. And or if you do, you're going to solve it next time by putting netting up or something, you know, smoking them, smoking tuna, tuna jerky, baby. Like also, like, where is the smoking? Like, yeah. it's so it's pretty easy to smoke fish, totally. uh, which cure, which takes care of the insects. So, like, I think I mean, it's a valiant effort to make The Walking Dead not seem stupid. But number one, just fucking move to the beach. There's plenty of room. <laughs> right. If Oceanside is full, go up a mile on the beach. Guess what? More Oceanside, right. Oceanside North, <laughs> go a mile down, Oceanside South. Holy shit. It's, it's almost like an infinite amount of coast. For you. I don't know. I, I'm being a little facetious, but I do think that it's it's weird that that's not even mentioned. Like like Aaron's mm-hmm. like, my God, if we don't go to this heavily fortified compound with a bunch of religious special forces, nut jobs, we're going to starve to death. And no one's like, well, we could just kind of chill out at Oceanside. Uh huh. You know, it, it, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's my thought anyway. Uh, that's it. Watching dead at baldmove.com is the place you want to send feedback. If you want us to read it on the show, uh, appreciate everyone who did. So gave us a lot of stimulating, entertaining thoughts to consider. We'll be back next week with another all new episode of the walking dead. Just three left in this season. Can you believe it? This person, I honestly the season, can't. Yeah. 
Yeah, I honestly can't believe the season 11B has just got three episodes left. It seems like we just started it up and so many, so many other crazy things coming down the pike. You know, we're hip deep in Picard. Mm-hmm. We got Better Call Saul about to come out. We got another David Simon Baltimore crime banger. We own the streets coming. There's uh, the boys coming. There's uh, so much stuff. And then it's going to be back around The Walking Dead again. But only three episodes left. So uh, we'll see you then. Uh, don't eat any rotten fly infested fish. <laughs> And we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. See ya.